three, two, one. I don't know why I counted because I already pressed. <laughs> <laughs> I already pressed record. And so plus you said two, and everyone knows you're not supposed to say two. It's well four, three. Right, but I didn't start at four, so I had to say two. But I didn't say. Did I say one? I did say one. Wow. I uh, that was. Your logic is flawed. Yep. That was, uh, that was bad. Maybe vomiting it. Well, first, hey, welcome to Tangent, everyone. I'm your host, Ryan Andlin, and to the side of me, whichever you're, whichever way you're viewing this video, to the side of me is Austin. Hello. With a baby vomiting into your ear. What's that about? Uh, we'll we'll get into that later. I will just let you guys uh, imagine for a while why I have a vomiting baby on my screen. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into it as the podcast goes on. Is this something that you deal with frequently with your newest child? You know what, Charlie? I have never been peed on or pooped on or vom or like full vomited on. Nope. Ha! But your wife, for sure. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing that he hasn't peed on you or vomited on you that's like that's what little boys do i i know i lucked out all right so we've got a little bit of space news Ooh. coming for everyone well, today first of all are you doing your beverage or what oh yes the beverage gotta bring out the I oh and also sorry we are just the gruesome twosome today because Jack couldn't make it. I think this is the first time we've ever recorded. Is this the first one we've done without Jack before? Um, I think I think we recorded one, but then it didn't end up. We didn't release it because it like failed or something. The audio got... Oh, right. the, the audio fails. The audio, yeah, because... Because, because, failed because, because I listened to it and you really sucked in that one, so I just I didn't even put it out there. And then I vomited into someone's ear because it yeah. sounded so bad. Mm. Well, the beverage for tonight is a Monster Ultra Rosa. And it has a bunch of roses around its edges. I have not tried this one, but you have. Yes? I have. Oh. What would you say the profile of this is? When, like, how long ago do you remember drinking this? Um, I'm pretty sure Jack and I tested this on a podcast already before. Okay. So, the description on here. Roses are red. Grapefruit is pink. Ultra Rosa is not what you think. Grapefruit stinks. Ah. <laughs> grapefruit grapefruit does stink. Grapefruit sucks. It's, it's awful. But this, uh, I'll let you drink it first. Forget about pink lemonade, blush wine, guavas, and strawberries. Ultra Rosa is a whole new experience. Crafted... With a light and easy drinking flavor that also that's also crisp and complex with a floral finish. Hmm. 
Sounds like regular night on the town. I usually finish with a floral finish. I don't taste the floral. <laughs> nope. Is it but good, though? It is very smooth. I very actually smooth. really like that one, even though grapefruit in real life is garbage. This is true. But I feel like grapefruit drinks are usually pretty good. Not grapefruit juice. Tastes well, like grapefruit. Think of squirt. That's grapefruit? Yeah. Dude, I haven't had squirt in a long time. My yeah. grandpa had a... F that was all he had in his fridge growing up in the garage was squirt. <laughs> now and it's going to be real nostalgic to you. Squirt and beer. Those were the two. Oh, and uh, boxed wine. Yep. Squirt, beer, and boxed wine. The drinks of choice was of grandpa, your Beasley family. Like that big of a... Was Grandpa that big of a of a beer drinker? I don't really think so. Not that I remember. He doesn't seem to me like the beer kind of type. I remember like when we'd go camping, he'd have a beer, but he seems to more more to me to be more like the scotch kind of type. Like whiskey or scotch, yeah. Yeah, or like a screwdriver in the morning. Is whiskey and scotch like are they the same thing? Um, I have no idea. No clue. Let's find out. Whiskey versus scotch. It is so cold in my basement right now. I am freezing. Mmm. <clears throat> Apparently there's a whiskey versus whiskey with a EY at the end. Hmm. Um, but yeah, there is a difference between whiskey and scotch. Um, unlike whiskey, which is made from a combination of barley, rye, corn, wheat, or any other mix of grains. Excuse me. Scotch is exclusively made from barley. I wonder who the first people were to like eat grain and then be like, you know what? I wish I could drink this too. I'm going to let it sit <laughs> in this barrel for until it gets rotten and then I'm going to drink it. I think any one of these things is <laughs> are people that were really hungry at the time and food was scarce. Here's the and thing. so if they, they had it in a barrel and so then they were just like, oh crap, we left it for too long. Oh, but we're starving. We, I, I'm starving. I'm starving, Marvin. I'm starving, Marvin. Come on, let's let's crack open a barrel and it's, it's just like oatmeal. And then they just eat it, get drunk, and they're like, "Okay, that was pretty fun." See, your logic to me though is a little flawed because if food was if food was scarce, they wouldn't have food stored in barrels for prolonged periods of time. Like, they would have eaten the food. Does that make sense? Like, being yeah, able to... Yeah, but I mean, they, they still have... They're still going to have, like, large quantities that they that they harvest all at one time. They can't eat it all at one time, so they're going to store it. 
Anywho, I often um, I I often wonder who was the first person to do a lot of things like <laughs> um, eat a lobster, yeah, drink milk <laughs> from, a, from a cow. Well, um, I mean, that one to me doesn't. That's pretty obvious. Like, it's just someone saying like, "Hey, it was it was good for my mom, my mother's boob. Why not try it from a cow's boob?" <clears> hmm. <throat> First person to eat an egg. That one probably was a little weird. Yeah, that one's that one's yeah. That one's a little gross. Yep. Yeah. Well, how many, so here's how what many I'm other things do do you think they tried that came out of animals' butts before they settled on the egg being the one? <laughs> Maybe that's I why. I know what them. I put together that spread on a table of like I have. <laughs> <laughs> of items for animals butts <laughs> we need to decide on using one of these <laughs> oh man well we were getting to space news and then we got way off track so yeah yeah so here's what i'm thinking i'll do space news you do the encounter and then okay. we'll go back to me finish with you okay okay so, space news. Did you? S- <laughs> it's the new. It's this. <laughs> it's it's a, it's a little news jingle. Come on. Were you plan like did you plan that or did was- no. <laughs> if you had planned that somehow it would have been way funnier that you actually thought that that was gonna be a good thing to do <laughs> Meh. is what it is it definitely is something yep it's something <clears throat> so space news. We have okay. We so I had something come into my feed, my news feed today, and now that I'm looking up the information, I don't know if it necessarily applies to today, but could have happened a couple years ago. So, anywho, <coughs> the video I saw was a video taken from one of the Mars rovers, and it was, as far as I understood, the first video of a Mars quake. Hmm. And so that was something interesting, but apparently we've been um, gathering data since 2019, at least, on uh, the different instruments that have been up there. Okay, but that doesn't make any sense, because if we've been doing it since 2019, the rovers were on there during 2019, so why wouldn't they get a video of it? Maybe they just didn't have the camera turned on. Maybe they didn't have the ability to transmit at that time or something. I don't know. Mm. 
Anywho, it's kind of an interesting um, video. Kind of looked like this. Little, little quakey, quakey, like this. Just like that. That's my space news. <laughs> Earthquake on Mars. <laughs> Earthquake on Mars. So pray for the Martians. Make sure that they're all okay. <laughs> yep. That's what all I right. got. Thank you. That's that's the ending jingle. Is it? <laughs> Can you say now to our reporter in the field? Austin Stone Kip. Legend. Legend. <laughs> Legend. Um, I have an encounter for us. Wonderful. This one is near and dear to my heart because it is about aliens. And mm. I... You have personal experiences with aliens. I have also seen an alien craft. So... Not, I, uh, not too many are able to say that. Right. <clears throat> Me, Cletus, and Bill. That's about it. Only, only the then, cream of the crop right there. And then this uh, fantastic anonymous submission as well. So this happened in Idre, West Virginia. Hope I said that right. One night a few years back, my friend who was driving and I were taking had just taken his girlfriend home when he decided to take the long way home as we were driving along this fairly deserted back road i begin to zone out and i stare at this blinking red light off in the distance and casually think to myself i wonder when they built a cell phone tower all the way out here when suddenly it blinks and is dramatically closer than it was a moment earlier at this point, my friend points it out and stops in the road. It blinks once more and is directly in front and over the top of us. The red light is so bright it floods the car in a deep scarlet hue. <clears throat> I lean forward so that I can see directly into the light. In that brief moment, I feel a flood of negative emotions. The closest description I can offer is to that of being naked under a giant microscope and having every pore of my body examined thoroughly. I then look away from the light to my friend and ask him to drive. He barely responds, apparently in a similar state. Then he snaps out of it and starts driving, and as we get a little way down the road, I notice the red light isn't fading and the interior of the car is still clearly lit by it. I look out the window, and to my horror, the light is following us and does so for approximately one to two miles. The light unexpectedly veers off to the left and comes down to ground level in a patch of trees adjacent to the road. My friend stops the car again and continues to stare at it and abruptly declares he's going to get out and look at, uh, look at it like he's in some sort of trance. He opens the door and I grab his arm and tell him if he does leave, I will get in the driver's seat and leave him there. Ooh. And that we had to leave that instant. He looks at me and seems to come to and punches the gas so hard the tires lose traction and spin. The light remains stationary as we rode away, but I never looked at the night sky the same. Where? <coughs> that was a UFO, but where's the aliens? It's a craft. So. Yeah, but that's not aliens. Like it could be could be government UFO. You don't know. I think what's weird is the red light following them and being right over the car. So he says mm -hmm. he, it's he can look up and it's right there. Um 
and that it follows them. And then like the fear that he felt like felt like he was being examined and this weird feeling of like being examined. And then like the trance like state that his friends, that his friend was in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so to mm-hmm. me, those are the things that would point more toward aliens rather than government stuff. Mm. Mm. I was guess I was kind of hoping for some probing some sort um abduction mm. impregnating with alien fetus something like that you would be into the the probing wouldn't you yeah i was under the bus on that one yeah <laughs> ah gotcha zing um no i think that's weird especially west virginia ah didn't you say that you had a different one for dugway yeah that one um we'll leave that one for another another episode was that the one with aliens um not quite i Uh i can tell you the basic premise of that one and i'll save it for later it's really short or you could just tell this this one also uh, I'll just tell you the premise because I I already um can't find the one again. I need I would need to go back and get the email and pull it back up. So okay, I will just tell you the premise. Guys out on Dugway Proving Grounds in Utah fighting a wildfire <clears throat> mm. with I don't know if he's military or firefighter. I would assume that he's I think he's military. So he's out there with his unit fighting a wildfire when they see a big, huge pillar of smoke shoot up like 200 feet into the air instantly. And then they feel like a shockwave from it. And so they, they thought it was weird, like the pillar of smoke, but they're like, we are in a, like a blast area. So it's possible that it was a missile or something. But then all these government trucks and stuff uh, showed up, like pulled up and on their radios, they were told that they had to be evacuated immediately from the area by um, some secret government agency that they'd never heard of before and they weren't told why but they were just sent to another wildfire that they were supposed to fight that was like a little bit further away but they never got an explanation as to why they were evacuated what the thing was that they saw and what the government agency was that evacuated them off of that spot wow yep all right I really don't think that that would have been a missile. That doesn't make sense. Well, like, how how far away was this column of smoke? It didn't say, but it was close enough for them to see it. And they were fighting a wildfire, so, like, I would imagine there was other smoke in the area. So it had to be noticeable and distinguishable from this wildfire. Okay, he said so it here's was a, cl- a clear pillar of smoke that went up about 200 feet. Here's my thinking. <laughs> Maybe this was during the Trump administration, and this was a precursor to Trump's idea of dropping a nuke inside of a hurricane. Maybe he's thinking, <laughs> a missile. Throw that missile on the wildfire and wildfire. Genius. The fire don't know what hit it. I've actually um What's the theory that I've like 
to stop a wildfire, you drop a bomb because if you bomb a place, then there's nothing left for the fire to burn so it can't spread. Like the concept of removing everything from around where the fire's at to stop so, that fire from spreading further. Well, I, I think that it's like... What's the point then of even like fighting the fire? Because the fire destroys everything. So if you're going to destroy everything so the fire doesn't destroy it, what's the point of fighting the fire? Oh, I also know um, the other theory is that if you drop a nuke or a bomb on a fire, the explosion would basically like combust all of the oxygen in the area immediately. Like, with that explosion. And so then it would put out the fire because there's no more oxygen to feed that fire. So the fire would go out. I don't know if I believe that explanation as much because I feel like oxygen would just instantly flow back in and you got a fire, but yeah, who knows if I know that after the, the a bomb that was dropped on, Hiroshima, some of the accounts of the fires that happened after that were horrific, so I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Anywho. I have a friend that fights wildfires in the summer. Maybe I could ask him. Hey, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. All right. So, let's get into the main event. Let's get into what everyone is waiting for. So, today we're talking about the state of Illinois. So, I'm guessing that the baby behind you is from Illinois. Yes, sir. You can tell Ah. by the way it's vomiting that it's from Illinois. Mm, Because, yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I see that now. Yes. But we'll get to your story in a minute here. What I am going to be talking about is we're going back to pre-Illinois times with the... This is too bright. This is way too bright. I gotta... What if I go like... Nope, still too bright. What if I do that? That's better. That's better. Okay. Why don't you tell me... I had a smudge on my cheek earlier. Got a smudge? Uh, I did. It's gone now. There oh, go. yeah. It's from the from the vomit from the <laughs> baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so this is going to pre-state of Illinois times. Pre-United uh, States era. <clears throat> We are going back to 1673 when Father Jacques Marquette, a Jesuit missionary, and Louise Juliette, a fur trader, paddled down the Mississippi River near the future site of the city of Alton. They came across two large figures painted on the side of the bluff. Marquette wrote in his journal, As we were descending the river, we saw high rocks with hideous monsters painted on them, and upon which the bravest Indian dare not look. 
They are as large as a calf with head and horns like a goat. Their eyes are red, beard like a tiger's. I don't get that part. I've never seen a tiger with a beard. But a beard like a tiger's and a face like a man's. Maybe he's talking about like a lion? Tiger um, I'm lion? Look, I'm looking it up. Oh, looking up a tiger beard? Beard like a tiger. Um, you could say that this tiger kind of has a beard going on. Really? This guy's got some uh, interesting facial hair coming off there. I mean, the tiger's whole face is facial hair, so where does the beard start? <clears throat> and, oh, here's the tiger beard. That's probably what they meant. You're, you're not seeing this, are you? Uh, no. One moment. L let me uh, let me share my screen. Where is okay? Here's the tiger beard. Ah, yes, that's right. This is exactly what the tiger beard looks like. Something similar to a goatee, but. Looking far more masculine. Yep. Oh, also, oh, there's a nice, a nice tiger beard. Um, side note, very excited because Tiger Woods, my man, Eldrick Tiger Woods, announced yeah, he's going to play in the Masters this year. Really? This weekend. Is it this weekend or next weekend? Let's see. Super excited. Um, this weekend. Yep. Wow. So, super crazy. Crazy, crazy Nice. Cool. Yep. Right on. Okay. Well, <clears throat> I guess there is a little bit of a tiger scruff in, that I saw on some of those, but still, Maybe. I don't know. Here, here's the other question. Is back in, when was this, 16-something? Uh, that's right. That's the exact year, sixteen something. It, it sounded like the uh, the names you said. I mean, I mean, I I couldn't tell by the way you pronounced them, but by the way that I think they're said, it sounds like they're probably French. Jacques Marquette and Louise Juliet. Were there tigers roaming around France back then? Because how would they know otherwise what a tiger beard looks like? Uh, they were Jesuit missionaries. It's maybe in the religion. A tiger? I don't know. Maybe they had to have tiger's beards. Hmm. Anywho, so they had these, they see these, these murals, these paintings on the side of a wall. Red eyes, beard like a tiger's, and a face like a man's. Their tails are so long that they pass over their bodies and between their legs under their bodies so essentially making a circle around them hmm. and ending like a fishtail they are painted red green and black and so well drawn that it could not that I could not believe they were drawn by the Indians and for what purpose they were drawn seems to be a mystery. Hmm. So, 
<clears throat> this is the Indian tradition, or the Native Americans, as we call them these days. The Native American traditions of the Illinois, or as uh, some other... Where did I see the other name of it? I think it was here. The... What was the tribe name? While you're looking that up, it just occurred to me. I don't think uh -huh. we ever announced what we're doing today. We are doing American Urban Legends from the state of Illinois. Oh, yeah. I said Illinois already. Did you? Okay. I did. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> good good, uh, good call, though. Good, good call. Okay. The, okay, so this tribe was part of the Illini Confederation of Native Americans. So the Illini, or Illinois, thus comes the name mm. of the state of Illinois. There we go. Full circle, just like the tail on this creature. Here we go. Hi. <laughs> yep, buckle up. So, this creature is called the Piazza. So how's from the Indian... spelled? P, I, P as in Peter, I as in Illinois... A-S-A. A as in what? A as in apple. S as in what? As in sandwich. A and as in what? A as in... I'm leaving that one in. An A as in aardvark. Alright, so... The Legend of the Piazza, as written by Professor John Russell in... Let's see, this was written by Professor John Russell in the 1840s, I believe. So in his book, he writes, No part of the United States, not even the highlands of the Hudson can vie in wild and romantic scenery with the bluffs of Illinois on the Mississippi, between the mouths of the Missouri and Illinois rivers. On one side of the river, often at the water's edge, a perpendicular wall of rocks rise to the height of some hundred feet. Generally, on the opposite shore is a level bottom or prairie of several miles in extent, extending to a similar bluff that runs parallel with the river. One of these ranges commences at Alton, which Alton is just a 20-minute drive north of St. Louis, right on the Mississippi River. So on the border of Missouri and... Correct. And Illinois, okay. That's right. Which, the city of Alton, will be a future episode all in itself, because Alton is one of the most haunted cities I have ever heard of. Um, so, descending the river to Alton, the traveler will observe between, the ta between that town and the mouth of the Illinois, a narrow ravine through which a small stream discharges its waters into the Mississippi. This stream is the Piazza. Its name is Indian, or Native American, 
and signifies in the Illini the bird which devours men. Near the mouth of this stream, on the smooth and perpendicular face of the bluff, at an elevation which no human art can reach, is cut into the stone the figure of an enormous bird with its wings extended. The animal which, which the figure represents was called by the Native Americans the Piazza. From this is derived the name of the stream. So, I've seen pictures of this. Um, I don't know if you're looking up any of these pictures. But if you look up um, Piazza Park, you can see that where the stream comes out is this really big cave. Um, and I don't really know like how far in this cave extends, but there is... Um, the cave, the the whole cave area in the site is like just these really big, enormous, um, vaulted cave ceilings that um, you can go in and tour. Okay, I'm trying to look um, it up right now. You see any of those images of those caves? Uh, just I'm trying to find a picture that I can pull up for to show the viewer. So Piazza Park, there's here's the image of the Piazza with the tail that goes around its body and ends in a fish tail. Here's a picture of the caves. Let me share my screen with you to make sure I'm showing what you're talking about. Okay. These caves here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Wow, those go back a lot further than I thought. Or that actually, could, it seems like there's some daylight pouring in from the sides of right some of there. those and some yeah. pee. So that could all just be the front, so I don't really know how deep it goes. I don't know. It's cool, though. Like, it looks like okay. here they're pretty well inside. Looks super cool, and definitely, if I was a Native American uh, that had a culture surrounded by uh, lore and superstition, for sure, this would be, like, a really creepy place that... Um, would be easy to think that there's a monster that lives in in this cave system. Right. Well, there's two different images that I'm seeing here drawn on walls of this thing. There's this one. Mm-hmm. And then, is this one the same one? Yeah, that's the same one. That's split. the same one. And then this one. So that one is the actual carving that's on the wall. Okay. That one might... It still looks like it's the actual carving on the wall, but then was just recently... Like repainted. Um, repainted. Which, this is really weird to me. <clears throat> it's really weird that... From all accounts, it sounds like this is a genuine... 
Algonquin Native American carving, why the heck would we be allowing people to paint over this? Good question. That seems really, really weird to me. But, regardless of our crazy idea of why that might be okay, um, so here is the is what is apparently the actual lore around this creature as told by some of the Native Americans. All right. Many thousand moons before the arrival of the Pale Faces, when the great Magalonyx and Maga? Mastodon... Magalonyx. Hey, I should look that up. What the heck is a Magalonyx? Sure, it's not Magalonyx. Hey, Magalonyx, Magalonyx. Have you heard of a Magalonyx Mega before? Megalonyx. A Megalonyx is a giant sloth. Jeez. Dang, Dang, so these guys are are freaking, like, going way back. Okay, okay, so this is actually good. So, the, the lore says when the great Megalonyx and Mastodon, whose bones are now dug up, were still living in the land of green prairies, there existed a bird of such dimensions that he could easily carry off in his talons a full-grown deer. Okay, so, when um, I feel like the Megalonyx would have been would have gone further back than the Mastodon. When did it exist? Looks like it lived approximately 5 million to 11,000 years ago. Wow, that's actually a lot closer than I thought. Holy crap. Okay, so what about the Mastodon? Mastodon... Uh, said to have extinct the same time period, 10,000 to 11,000 years ago. Jeez! You know, this is actually the extinction period that um, a lot of people come on Joe Rogan and talk about, where he, like, gets really, really into this specific time period. Huh. That's interesting. Okay. Back to the legend. So... 12,000 years ago is when this supposed bird is said to have existed that could carry off a full-grown deer. Having obtained a taste for human flesh, from that time, he would prey on nothing else. He was artful as he was powerful and would dart suddenly and unexpectedly upon an Indian bear him off into one of the caves of the bluff and devour him. 
hundreds of warriors attempted for years. Um, I lost my spot. Hundreds of warriors attempted for years to destroy him, but without success. Whole villages were nearly depopulated, and consternation spread. What is consternation? That's a word I don't know. Have you heard that before? Consternation? I've heard the word, I just don't know what it is. Consternations. Feeling, feelings of anxiety or dismay. Hmm. All right. So whole villages were nearly depopulated and consternation spread through all the tribes of Eleni. Such was the state of affairs when Quatoga, the great chief of the Eleni, whose fame extended beyond the Great Lakes, separating himself from the rest of his tribe, fasted in solitude for the space of a whole moon and prayed to the great spirit, the master of life, that he would protect his children from the piazza. One, or on the last night of the fast, the great spirit appeared to Quatoga in a dream and directed him to select 20 of his bravest warriors, <clears throat> each armed with a bow and poisoned arrows, and conceal them in a designated spot. Near the place of concealment, another warrior was to stand in open view as a victim for the piazza, which they must shoot the instant he pounced upon his prey. When the chief awoke in the morning, he thanked the great spirit and returned to his tribe, told them and told them his vision. The warriors were quickly selected and placed in ambush as directed. Quatoga offered himself as the victim. He was willing to die for his people, placing himself in open view on the bluffs. He soon saw the piazza perched on the cliff, eyeing his prey. The chief drew up his manly form to its utmost height, and planting his feet firmly upon the earth, he began to chant the death song of the Indian warrior. The moment after the piazza rose into the air, and swift as the thunderbolt, darted down on his victim. Scarcely had the horrid creature reached his prey before every bow was sprung and every arrow was sent quivering to the feather sent quivering to the feather into his body. So essentially saying that the arrow fully penetrated into the body all the way down to the feather. I believe it's called yes, uh, fletching. Uh, they they didn't they didn't know the words back then. They just called them feathers. Noobs. <laughs> um, the piazza uttered a fearful scream and sounded far. That sounded over far over the opposite side of the river and expired. Quatoga was unharmed. Not an arrow, not even the talons of the bird had touched him. The master of life, in admiration of Quatoga's deed, had held over him an invisible shield. There was the wildest rejoicing among the Alini, and the brave chief was carried in triumph to the council house, where it 
where it was solemnly agreed that in memory of the great event in their nation's history, the image of the piazza should be engraved on the bluff. Personally, I feel like that... I mean, if I'm the Indian chief, I'd be saying, like, okay, why not, like, do me? Like, put my image up there? It seems right. a little funny that they do the monster. But, I don't know. Apparently that was the way 12,000 years ago. The way. This is the way. Huh. So, what is your thinking and feeling of this? Well, first of all, I know that Native Americans are scary as heck, like their legends are. And a lot of times they're true. Mm. Or at least a lot of times there is... Based in truth. Yes. And I think I trust a lot in the Native Americans that like lived here for a long time. And they're... I don't know. I tend to have some trust in what they say rather than it being like just some kind of legend. I don't know. There's something different about Native American lore to me than just like any other cryptid or ghost story. Like for mm. some reason for me, Native American legends seem to carry a little bit more weight. And I don't know why. Maybe it's because they're more of like a spiritual and interconnected people, if that makes sense, that I don't feel like that they would just make stuff up for the sake of making stuff up. If that makes sense. Mm. So I tend to just like trust a little bit more in native American lore than I do other kinds of lore. Interesting. I have different feelings. Do you? But interesting. <laughs> Cause personally, I, I think that every culture is susceptible to make up whatever kind of legends suit the purpose if what was the purpose though like any if you had like parents that lived on one side and they didn't want their kids crossing over the river true. they'd be saying the freaking piazza is gonna eat you and let me tell you the story about how the the great chief saved our tribe but if you go over there he's gonna eat you that's true i didn't think of it like that so, but here's the interesting thing, though. I do feel like, um, I do feel like this is like a pretty big carving. This isn't just, this isn't just like the typical kind of Native American carvings that you see on rocks of just little people, little creatures, or whatever else. This is a massive mural that, if this is accurate, of when it was first um, documented back in 1673, mm -hmm. um, and it was painted back then. So, I mean, there again, I mean, is it possible that Native Americans could have... Um, as part of making up this story, carve this big thing on there to scare a bunch of kids. Maybe. I mean, it's po sure it's possible. But I mean, looking at this, this is like these these. This is like right on the cliff wall. This is 
this would be really, really difficult to do something this big and to um, carve it in in such a difficult location. They would have to have ropes, which obviously that they did, but you would have to suspend yourself for an extended period of time carving this thing into the rock. And it just seems... I, I mean, it, at least to me, this is the first time that I have heard something carved this big by Native Americans that happened hundreds of years ago. Right. So I really don't how, know what to make of this. How big they say it is? Well, just looking at um, pictures of this, like this carving looks like it could be, um, I don't know, the size of an SUV. Like, it's a pretty good size. Yeah, it's um, pretty big. Piazza Dimensions. Um, it is interesting that there is a link with the Piazza with a couple other um, legends with the Native Americans in the area with the Thunderbird and then also with the Underwater Panther which shares a very similar name. Um, what was that name? The it is the Mishibuju. Nope. Nope. Ojibwe. Nope. <laughs> Are you making this stuff up? No, or are you I'm reading, reading stuff? it. An underwater <laughs> panther called. Mishipeshu or Mishibiju in Ojibwe. No, I'm looking at um, Underwater Panther um, could be uh, phonetically linked because the translation is P-A-Y-I-I-H-S-A Paisa I'm assuming is this how it's said. So Paisa versus Piazza. I mean, it, it is possible that maybe Piazza refers to the air, whereas Paisa refers to the water. I don't know. Hmm. I don't speak Native American. I don't know. But I do find it really, really interesting that something so big would have been carved onto the side of a cliff by Native Americans, and it does seem really weird for it to be that big for it to essentially not have something that is based in truth. I don't know. That's, yeah. that's like it's, It just seems so big and so massive for 
for someone to spend that much time. I don't know. I agree. I guess that argument could uh, go the same way for flat earthers. That there's uh, no, no, I don't. Nope. It made sense in my head, and then as soon as I said it, it made no sense. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's the Piazza. What do you think? Does, did it exist, or did it not? Um, I'm going to say yes. Ooh! I'm going to say yes. Ooh! Did it exist exactly as they drew it? Maybe not. But I think something of that size and magnitude existed, if that makes sense. Because mm. I've mm. heard other stories from like people that I tend to trust of one story from a, a person that I knew. And I won't give any details, but their dad was in Vietnam mm -hmm. and was a helicopter pilot. And they were flying over the jungle and saw what they could only describe as a pterodactyl type bird that was like two to three times bigger than their helicopter that flew underneath their helicopter and flew out of the jungle and then just like flew away. But they said it looked exactly like what a typical pterodactyl would look like. And it was giant and huge. So to deny that something of that size and even, you know, how they described it, to deny that that exists or existed back then, I think, would be ignorant. Maybe not ignorant. Interesting. But I, I just, I can't fully deny it. I also just have a tendency to believe cool stuff. So, yeah. At least you want to believe it. Yep. I want to believe it. Um, I'm looking up pterodactyl... Vietnam. Oh. Mm. Let's see. Nah, I, I don't know. That's just a story I've heard. But who knows? Over in the jungles of Vietnam, what in the world they've got? Yeah. Yeah. Um. I don't know how I feel about this one. I really don't. I mean, either. Either this is something that is. Um. Has some base of truth. Or. I feel like the only other motivation for doing something this big is potentially religious. Like so, a god. a god, um, or even like an anti-god, a demigod, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A demon. But it seems to me like, I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. In in any of the other uh, things through history where something's like super, super big and you wonder like, why the heck did they do this? Usually it's tied to religion in some way. Yeah. So, hmm. 
That's that's my thinking. Apparently, to some people, they say that this could have um, a lot of different uh, could represent a lot of different things for Native Americans. Um, one of the examples. Where was it? Um, and find it. But anywho, what I read was that there are some people that describe the different parts of the body. If it has a tail like a fish, and thus being a monster of the water, a lot of um, Native American lore uses water as being the portal to the underworld. So the tail could represent that kind of uh, its ability to access the underworld. Um, it's uh, lion and leopard-like um, body that it had, supposedly represented this earth that it was able to move about on this earth just as it was able in, to move about in the underworld and then the wings obviously represent the heavens and so supposedly it was a creature that was able to go through all different realms making it very very powerful mm. but that's kind of my feeling maybe I'm leaning a little bit more religious mm. but that's the piazza well, what do you have for speaking, us? Speaking I'm... of satanic babies, let's get right into my thing. Ah, yes. 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 So. It's a Satan baby that's vomiting in your ear. Satan baby. Um, we are going to discuss the devil baby at the whole house. This is one devil baby? One devil baby. Mm. So, back in... The late 1800s, there was a rich businessman in Chicago that built himself a large mansion, and his name was, I believe, Charles Hole. Let's see. Um, let me just confirm that. So this devil baby came from Chicago. Yes. Charles J. Hole. He died... Um, pretty soon, well, he died, um, so the house was built, sorry, 1856. Um, the man who built the house, Charles Hull, was a wealthy real estate developer, and he built it as a mansion for his family. And he only lived there for four years, because while he lived there, his wife and two sons died in the house. And so he and his remaining daughter no longer felt like they belonged in the house anymore. And so they moved, but he still kept ownership of the property. So he, I don't know if he sold the, like, well, obviously he didn't sell it because he kept the ownership, but he let the property become what was called a settlement house, meaning that people who were coming to the area, specifically women, could come and kind of stay there until they got on their feet type thing. 
Um, and so Jane Adams, who was kind of a famous woman at the time for helping women in the area. Um, she act like this house was the spot where like the fight for suffrage and women's ability to vote kind of got started. So it's kind of a, like a safe haven slash, um, temporary home for women. And so there was legend that the house was haunted. So even Jane Adams, uh, she slept in a bedroom cause she lived there. So she slept in a bedroom, but said she experienced that she would wake up at night and see a woman hovering over the bed. Um, and then she would hear conversations happening in the room. And so she decided to move out of that bedroom and go sleep in a different room. And women would come through and occasionally would sleep in that bedroom as well and kind of reported similar things that they felt like it was haunted. Um, and so then that room just became a storage room. Like they stopped using it as a bedroom, became a storage room. So this doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the devil baby itself, but it's interesting that the house kind of already had this like haunted vibe to it. Um, so all of this uh, bad feeling in the house was before the this is, this devil is before, baby? This was before the devil baby. Oh, jeez. So there's a couple different legends as to how the devil baby arrived at the whole house. One legend is that there was a pious woman, like a very religious woman, who stayed at the house ended up getting pregnant with this child and the child was cursed because it was born out of wedlock or whatever. And, um, it was born through sin, I guess you could say. And so this child was cursed as a devil baby, um, and was cursed to basically be a demon baby. And so that's kind because of, she said that she would rather have the devil. No, so that's another that's another theory. We're getting there. So this first theory, some the religious woman, very religious woman, ended up getting into trouble and had this baby who basically she was cursed to have this devil baby because of her sin. And so she had this devil baby and it lived in the whole house with her. Then the second uh legend is that this Italian woman, um, <clears throat> sorry, I just, I just completely lost my chain of thought. So the Italian woman, um, also a very religious girl, she was married to an atheist. So very religious girl married to an atheist. And she had a picture of the Virgin Mary hung on the wall and in their home. And so the husband would get super angry. And one day he just came home and just ripped the picture off the wall and said that he would rather have a devil in the house than have basically have the devil in the house rather than having um, the picture of the Virgin Mary. So the legend there is that when they had their next child, that it was basically the devil incarnated himself into this child that they were about to have. So as soon as the devil baby was born, the legend is that he stood up and ran about the table, like shaking his finger at the dad. Like don't <laughs> wish, like don't wish this upon yourself. Like, um, and then 
So the devil baby was like scorning the father and then the father got freaked out, but then he caught the baby and ended up taking it to the whole house because he knew that it was like a sanctuary and that they would probably take care of it. So um, (laughs) the residents there, like, so the baby, the legend is that he had like cloved hooves that he had like hooved hands that he had horns and that his face was like the face of the devil. And so the, they took it to the whole house and the residents there, most of them were religious. And so they took this baby in and decided they would care for it despite the appearance of the baby. And they even took it to get baptized. And so they had the baby like wrapped in this shawl when they go to take it to get baptized. And the priests like opened the shawl to, uh, baptize the baby and they realized that the baby had escaped and they, <laughs> they see the baby like running through the back of the church over the pews, like running out of the church to get away from the priest and the holy water. <laughs> so then the third legend of how the devil baby came about similar, similar to the second one, there was a Jewish father who, um, really really wanted a son uh, i think it had to deal with kind of uh at the time the jewish culture was like very hard working um i think this father was more of like an entrepreneur type and he wanted a son to kind of carry on the family name and the family business that he had set up okay and he had six daughters and so he's like super ticked off that he had daughters and didn't get a son And so he said that he would rather have a devil in the house than have a seventh daughter. So then um, (laughs) at that point, then their next child was the basically the devil incarnate baby. So same story, um, just a different, different way of thinking about it. Rather than an atheist not wanting the Virgin Mary, it was a father not wanting another daughter. And they would Mm. both rather have the devil than another daughter or a picture of the Virgin Mary. And so the legend, like, even though this was like mid 1850s, the legend spread around super quick. So they were in Chicago mm-hmm. and it spread all the way up through like Wisconsin to all the surrounding states. And they would get um, visitors all the time that would come to the door and be like, we want to see the devil baby. Like, where is it? We know it's here. <laughs> And they'd be like, no, it's not here. Like, go away. We don't have a devil baby. But some people thought they were just like hiding it. And so some people are still convinced that there was some kind of devil baby, like that it was a real thing and that they're just trying to, they were trying to hide it and cover it up because it was like this hideous evil thing. And some other people believe it was nothing but folklore. But regardless, they constantly for months, I think, pro- I think like a year, they were shooing away visitors, um, getting mail about this devil baby, getting requests to come see it. And like every single day, they'd get multiple people coming to this house asking to see this devil baby. So um, legend or not, like whether it's real or fake, I think it's interesting and kind of comical. Um <laughs> But yeah, that's the legend of the devil baby of whole house. So the devil baby creepy in and and of itself, but also the house is supposedly haunted. So the fact that there's a devil baby at a haunted house makes it a little bit creepier. But uh, this image behind me 
you need to go look up the Devil Baby prank video on YouTube, and it'll give you a good a good laugh. So go take a look at that. Yeah. Um, all of this reminds me of a newspaper or magazine that my brother used to bring home occasionally. And I would say that maybe maybe this newspaper was like my first exposure to um, the paranormal world. Mm-hmm. But it is the Weekly World News. Have you ever heard of it? No. <laughs> Weekly so, World News. Yeah, I only I remember this paper always being like black and white, and it was kind of like it. It was kind of uh, had the layout of a newspaper, but it was black and white and printed on like newspaper kind of paper. Um, but the Weekly World News slogan is the world's only reliable news <laughs> yeah i'm seeing that and so i searched <laughs> to see if there was anything dealing with a devil baby oh my and goodness <laughs> so i searched devil baby and it brought up an article <laughs> that they have titled five tips for selling your soul to the devil <laughs> What are you looking at? Some the world's smallest face. (laughs) I will. Is that just the headlines? One of the like the cover too. There's so many good ones on here. I just need to share share the screen with you. This is (laughs) this is the world's smallest face. There's uh, I married Bigfoot, and this is my child. There is um, Bigfoot's love slave. <laughs> um, I like the alien in the slammer after a fist fight w- with Bill over Hillary. <laughs> oh, this one? Yeah. <laughs> Hillary Clinton adopts alien baby. Yeah, there's that one. Um, apparently the Garden of Eden was found. Yeah, there um, you go. Duck, some duck hunters shot an angel. <laughs> okay, here's what I think we need to do. I think I think we should incorporate the weekly world news into oh, the podcast. I think we, that would be good. That would be really good. Is it still a thing? Um. So I'm on their website, and yeah, they're still they're putting out articles. Today's article was uh, Blackbirds Attack Kentucky. Millions flee. Millions of birds are attacking a small Kentucky city, destroying buildings, parks, and injuring thousands of citizens. Huh. Dude, some of these are just weird. Like, um, Saddam and Osama adopt shaved ape baby. <laughs> Um, Spy Cat had the CIA. <laughs> Saddam's weapon of mass destruction: killer dinosaurs. <laughs> we should we should do 
the weekly world this news. is good i like we'll, that we'll incorporate we'll have a weekly world news yep you need to you need to pin down the uh the little song you're gonna sing when we do it very good we, we won't tell jack either we'll just do it on the next one <laughs> Freaking love it. We'll just I love it. it. It'll just become a new thing. Okay. <laughs> okay. I like this. We can uh we can we'll just surprise them with it. And you can say, Alright, we're going over to our news correspondent and then we'll play that and just bring it in. It'll be great. I love it. Nice. Well, I think that covers uh, Illinois. Did you have anything else that you wanted to say? Yes, I would like our listeners to please subscribe. If you find the podcast funny, share it with a friend. Let them share in the laughter and jovial camaraderie that this podcast brings to the world. And even if you don't find it funny, share it with someone else because you probably have a terrible sense of humor. And so somebody else will think it's funny. So just share it anyway. Yep. And then we're also on Twitter. We're on the Instagram. We're on the internets. We're on YouTube. On the YouTubes. And the Facebook. Facebooks. And the email. And on the email. So, so hit us up. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Thanks. We'll put all the socials at the end of this video. So tune in and let us know what you want to hear next. Bye. We'll be back with Jack next time. Goodbye. <laughs>